On this episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, we preview the Columbus Crew versus New England Revolution MLS Cup Playoffs Eastern Conference Final, and we share our thoughts on the legendary life and career of the late, great Diego Maradona. Hello and welcome to the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I am Mark along with Marcus. Marcus, good afternoon. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Thank you. And to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it is a another whirlwind of a time in, in the soccer universe. Uh, we're going to get to the passing of Diego Maradona at the end of our show. Before we do that, we're going to talk about the MLS Cup playoffs, and we're actually kind of reversing the show this week so that we can end on Maradona, but also we're going to bring the games of the weekend up to the beginning of the show. So that's what we're going to start with. Marcus, let's just jump right into games of the weekend. We're, I'm going to kind of try to forget about Maradona for the next 15, 20 minutes until we start talking about him again, but obviously shocking news, but we're going to get to it and we're going to start with games of the weekend. So Marcus, what is your game of the weekend this week? I'm going to start in uh, Germany on Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. First place, Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga is going to meet Red Bull Leipzig, second place. Uh, Only two points separate them. Bayern, predictably red hot. They've won seven and drawn one of their last last eight games in the Bundesliga. For Leipzig, this is, you know, as we talked about Dortmund-Bayern a couple uh, weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, and then Dortmund predictably laid an egg. Uh, This is a chance for Leipzig to make a statement. You know, anytime you face Dortmund and you're one of the potential challengers in the Bundesliga, you have a chance to really uh, announce yourself as a uh, title contender. So this is it for Leipzig. And it comes on the heels of their thrilling win over Istanbul. Basaksa here on uh, Wednesday in the Champions League. And then... uh, Next week in the Champions League, they have a do-or-die clash with Manchester United. So if there's ever a time for the lights to be on RB Leipzig, where uh, the world soccer uh, community can measure their progress, this is it. You know, Leipzig, they were semifinalists in the Champions League last season. Bayern, of course, won it. So how closed is that gap? Uh, we'll find out Saturday, 1230 ESPN. Plus. Yeah, no, very excited. Well, first of all, I, I watched that Leipzig here. I can never say that um, match yesterday, and I think it was the best Champions League match uh, thus far in, in in this year's edition of the tournament. A hat trick from Istanbul player that I, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Uh, we had Tyler Adams coming on at halftime, but Leipzig needed to pull out that four three victory with a goal in the 92nd minute in order to kind of keep pace in their Champions League group. Uh, but yeah, no, next week against Man United with an eye on PSG uh, is is going to be down to the wire in that Champions League group. So, uh, you know, we're not going to talk much Champions League today, but this final match day, next Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, those are going to be, there's so many groups still left to be decided. So very exciting. But my match of the weekend, Marcus, something we're going to talk a little bit more about today. It will be the New England Revolution facing the Columbus Crew in the MLS Cup playoffs, Eastern Conference final. 
That will be Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC. The Revs back into the Eastern Conference Final for the first time since 2014. A lot of different moving parts here, especially with the crew who had a coronavirus outbreak kind of ahead of their conference semifinal matchup against Nashville, including their starting goalkeeper, did not play. And they had another positive test as recently as Monday. But from the research that we've done and a statement from the team, it appears on Tuesday and Wednesday, they all had negative testing results. And MLS and the Columbus crew announced that the game is on for Sunday. So it just a lot to kind of wrap your head around there. Yeah, no, I'm very excited for this, Marcus. I mean, the Revs have been exciting to watch in this very quick playoff run that has taken place. I mean, all three matches have gone on since we had our last podcast, I believe. Yeah. Um, so we haven't had the chance to look at them. Thanks a lot, Thanksgiving. Yeah. But uh, and and you apologies know. for uh, anybody out there who was. Uh, looking for some reaction to the Revolution's run to date. I don't know about you, but I was on vacation for most of last week. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I was on vacation and in bliss watching watching the Revs. And uh, I mean, you know, in the conference semifinal, Matt Turner's save on that penalty kick after he kind of was soft, more or less, on the, the first goal that the Revs let in. I mean, and Carlos Heel and... Gustavo Bo kind of firing on all cylinders, probably what Bruce Arena dreamt up when he, you know, originally looked at his roster and that they haven't really had that kind of all fall into place for them, you know, really until these last three games. But also, you know, to to lose to the Philadelphia Union 2-0 on the final match day of the season and then to come back and beat them. Also then Toronto FC losing on the other side of the Eastern Conference bracket to kind of really open up the Eastern Conference and the road to MLS Cup Final. The stars are kind of aligning, but, you know, two big matches to go before you can uh, lift, a, lift the trophy. But uh, yeah, yeah and, uh, I mean, there's a, you know, the, the MLS cup playoffs, it's uh it's an animal, like really like no other uh, or like few others in the soccer world. Most competitions are strictly the league, but you know, the tension and excitement that ramps up to a uh, fever pitch and the MLS cup playoffs, as I said, a couple weeks ago, always enjoy it. Um, there's always big, big moments that tend to last uh, throughout history uh, that come from the playoffs. And uh, yeah, the uh, certainly the game against um, Orlando was one where, you know, they came out and uh, they scored, they, they went up two zero almost in the blink of an eye and yeah, uh, yeah really exciting. And then uh, they gave up a goal shortly thereafter and it was just really tense all the way through. So uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a while since the revolution really factored uh, in the MLS cup playoffs. That's uh, by a while, I mean about six years. Um, And it kind of brings us back to uh, where the revs were in the middle of the uh, first decade of this century, which is a perennial MLS cup contender. So uh, it's great. It's, it's great to see that uh, that happening again. And, you know, this, um, situation with the crew is really going to be um it makes it hard to know what is going to come hard to preview hard to predict because we don't know who's going to play uh they didn't train wednesday we're recording thursday 
the mm -hmm. facility was closed. So, you know, their preparations have been disrupted. Uh, Absolutely. Meanwhile, the revolution are, uh, you know, they, they look like they're cruising and I don't want to use the D word destiny. <laughs> so I won't. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it seems like it's just going to be disruptive for the cruise preparation, as you said. And I mean, that's just advantage to the revolution. And it's a crazy year. And these things are happening. And it's all part of these various leagues and sports seasons going on. But amongst the, the team themselves, there has been a lot of, as you would expect, positivity. But also, despite the crew's difficulty with their outbreak, the Revs are not taking them lightly, obviously. And Revolution midfielder Scott Caldwell and also Braintree Mass native Scott Caldwell spoke to how the Columbus crew are among the best in MLS at their game preparation. Yeah, they, they usually are, are very well prepared, um, you know, tactically and uh, emotionally for a game. You know, they, they like to play and, and build out of the back. They like their attackers to have some freedom in their movements and they like to uh, transition quickly. That's typically what, what he likes to do. I'm sure there's different nuances and, and tactics for this particular game, but um, you know, they're, they're a good team. And it's something that we're going to prepare all week for. It's something that we, you know, we're excited about. We're really looking forward uh, at, you know, our locker room, our team to um, for the, for the challenge, the upcoming challenge, the upcoming game to um, get that much closer to, to MLS cup. So we need to win and, and we'll, we're going to prepare for it this week. Okay, that was Revolution midfielder Scott Caldwell. Yeah, Marcus, I mean, tactically, what do you think the Revs are running into this week? Well, the Revolution haven't played the crew this season, um, and I would be lying if I said I've uh, seen them play in any detail. So I can't answer your question, but I can say that Scott Caldwell played for K crew coach Caleb Porter uh, years ago when they were both at uh, the University of Akron in Ohio. So, um, and Caleb Porter is one of those coaches who's, uh, if you follow his career, you, you almost know what you're expecting uh, from his teams because they all tend to play uh, a certain way. So uh, yeah, it's almost like the revolution have an inside man in that locker room. Uh, Scott Caldwell, uh, Caleb Porter recruited uh, Caldwell from Braintree to Akron, Ohio, when they were a uh, national powerhouse. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Teal Bunbury might have been on those Akron teams as well. Um, wow. yeah, 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 he also went to University of Akron. And actually, there are a few players on Columbus who played for Bruce Arena on uh, during his previous stops in MLS. So uh, they're going to have a bit of uh, inside knowledge. Yeah, uh, Scott Caldwell and... You know, we won a national championship for the, the Akron Zips. If there's any place that means something to him besides uh, the great state of Massachusetts, it's probably the great state of Ohio, having gone played for Akron there and then played some, I believe, USL level in Ohio um, and Michigan. So he's kind of got some Midwest roots. But yeah, I mean, we're going to hear a little bit from Bruce Arena as well. Um, he's been fielding question after question about underdog status for the revs and just kind of being back in the playoffs for the first time in so long and how even Bruce arena himself is on this sort of redemption tour after uh, being the men's national team coach uh, when they didn't qualify for the world cup. And I mean, really when you kind of 
stack all that stuff up, it amounts to nothing significant. But he was he did have some interesting things to say about the run that the Revs are on right now in this past month. Um, here's what he had to say. Well, certainly momentum helps. Uh, you know, we've won now uh, three games in the playoffs. That's a real positive. I'm not sure we've won three games in a row this year. So uh, we'd certainly have some momentum. Are we good enough? I, I think in a, simple, a single elimination, uh, I, I think it, it, it favors the team that's uh, the underdog because it's a, it's a one and done. If it's over a series of games, whether it's two games that the league has had in the past or even three games when I first started in the league, it would be the best out of three. I think a, a one-off uh, can favor the underdog. And we're in a low-scoring sport. It's, uh, it's not like some other sports where you can uh, 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 make up a deficit in a game uh, a, a lot easier. So I, I think, uh, yeah, uh, obviously uh, we have to get past Columbus before you can even talk about winning a championship. But I, I, I think our team can do that. Okay, so that was New England Revolution head coach Bruce Arena. And I think that one thing that Bruce Arena doesn't really zone in on, but he's kind of stepping around, is that the Revolution in this past month have really finally been able to put together the, their full complement of their roster. And they're, it's very rare in you know any sport in this late stage of a season to pretty much be 100% healthy. And the Revs are. And Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo are clicking. They have been able to put together a great run of form. And I mean, Matt Turner refer referred to Hill as the best player in the league when he's on the field and healthy, um, which of, of course is high praise, but it's just kind of like all really coming together for the Revs. And it's not just because they've won the last three games. It's because, you know, they took down, you know, some really solid teams through just, having really great team performances, getting contributions, not just the big contributions from their star players and heel and bow, but also contributions from the rest of the squad, everybody contributing. And, you know, I kind of have to imagine when Bruce arena first kind of set eyes on the roster on paper, you know, way back in March, he kind of had to imagine in his head, you know, this is how he wanted the team to play when they were at their, their, their peak. So um, yeah, Marcus, you know, what do you hope for from, from what we see out of the Revs on Sunday? Um, I don't hope for much. I'm just going to watch and see what happens. But, you know, one thing that struck me as I was watching them against Orlando is that this looks like a Bruce arena team. Uh Many might not know this, but I've been following Major League Soccer since 1996. Uh, <laughs> and I remember, you know, Bruce Arena's teams then. Um, I remember his great teams in L.A. And, you know, now he's building another team in New England uh, that, you know, he's aiming for success uh, probably a little sooner than anyone expected. But um, there are certain things that uh, certain recurring patterns and themes, for instance, this attack that you talked about um, arena sort of settled on uh, Gustavo Bo, Carlos Hill, Teal Bunbury, and uh, Adam books. So, you know, there's these four guys who, um, you know, they, one of them creates 
Uh, and then you have veteran presences where these guys all, you know, they, they know how to score goals. They know how to score big goals and big games, uh, similar to what you saw in uh, Los Angeles and D.C. But also there's a player, uh, Taj Buchanan, who I believe the Revs drafted him as a forward. Bruce Arena has switched him to right back where uh, he's had a great playoff series and uh, I think he scored the winning goal or he scored uh, one of the goals against uh, Orlando. I don't know if uh, who out there will remember the likes of Chris Albright. Um, who's the guy? Graham Zusi was in uh, Kansas City. Uh, Bruce Arena loves taking players who are attack minded and throwing them in at right back and left back and turning them into uh, you know, almost international quality players at that position. Uh, Buchanan would represent Canada, but you get my drift. Um, yeah. Bruce Arena plays similar notes throughout his career, and uh, we're seeing it again. It's, uh, it's going to be an exciting game, and I'm very excited for it. And Marcus, I, I want to let you know, I'm going to put in for uh, some credentials at the MLS Cup final. We're going to go out to Seattle together. And uh, and watch the Revs beat the Sounders to win MLS Cup. That's my prediction. <laughs> okay. Yeah, none none of that will happen. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, any last words on just the MLS Cup playoffs as a whole, uh, or the Revs um, before we move on to our final no, subject? No, let's uh, just be sure to tune in. Yep. Absolutely, and. Well, that brings us to our final subject, which is uh, a very sad one. Uh, no other way to put it. Uh, Diego Maradona uh, died at the age of 60 on Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. You know, we have in our notes here, you know, neither of us saw him play live at least. But, you know, I think he was probably the first soccer player that I just knew the name of, if, if I'm being honest with myself. Uh, and you know it because of the uh, kind of the step over trick move, I guess you'd call it. But it's just incredibly sad. And he kind of lived this, I don't know, sad life, uh, but full of these incredibly fun and happy moments. And, uh, you know, you, you can read any number of stories about Maradona um, and there's documentaries. And I mean, you can learn as much about his life as you can learn about any person in history. But I, I was very sad to hear this news. Uh, obviously, had been kind of in and out of the hospital in recent years, but also uh, at the beginning of November, he had been in the hospital um, for a very serious surgery. And uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it's tough to uh, know what to make of of you know somebody that was arguably you know just among the greatest players to ever play the game to, to pass away at the age of 60 uh, seemingly in a way that, you know, just not maybe in the past year, but over the course of, you know, his lifetime, he certainly could have been helped more um, and, you know, not had to pass away at, at the relatively young age of 60. Um, yeah, there's uh, I take a, little objection with some of the things you said um i wouldn't characterize his life as sad uh diego maradona was you know he had a big family uh albeit 
somewhat fractured. Uh, sure, he was troubled. Sure, there were problems with him. Who among us is not uh, does not have problems or does not encounter troubles in our lives? You're very right, Marcus. Uh, but it's one thing that bears mentioning. Diego Maradona was famous, um, at least in Argentina, since he was 13. He was famous on the world stage since he was about 18. I think he was uh, 18 or 19 when Argentina won the World Cup in 1978. He was on that team, uh, played a bit, you know, bit part role, but, you know, he was a phenomenon in his homeland. So my point is, is that he, uh, not only did he grow up in the public eye, he lived in the public eye and every one of his missteps and mistakes was, uh, uh, no, I wouldn't say everyone because a lot, a lot of them were hidden, um, you know, by some, uh, people who had a, an interest in keeping him on the field. Um, but one thing, you know, I want to talk about his service to the game was unquestioned. Uh, we're talking about arguably the greatest player in history. Uh, I never saw him play a game live for 90 minutes, but you know, there, I've seen the highlights. There are the, the goals for Boca. Uh, there, you know, his time, short time at Barcelona, but my goodness, look what he did at Napoli. Uh, yeah. Took a team to uh, the top of Syria, won the Italian cup, Coppa Italia. And uh, this is not one of the traditional powers in Italy. Um, which is why he's so, uh, so revered there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's the goal against England. There's the hand of God goal against England. And then the one that followed, which is the greatest goal in the history of the FIFA men's world cup. Uh, You know, the one I'm talking about where he beats seven or eight guys, including one or two of them twice. Um, So what he did on the field was, um, you know, in almost incomparable. Uh, but what he also did off the field, um, or what he represented was just the joy and the passion of the game. He embodied it. And uh, yeah, when he died, I was, uh, I was a bit sad. And I want to talk about it today because I, as I said earlier, I was on vacation last week, did not have a chance to uh, mourn his loss publicly. Um but yeah, I am uh, a bit sad. And then here's the debate that's coming up is should FIFA retire the number 10 jersey in Diego Maradona's honor? Uh, what do you think? No, I don't think uh, the number 10 should be retired by FIFA. Um, and I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this, Marcus. Um, but when I think of just the number 10 in soccer, uh, I don't necessarily immediately associate it with Diego Maradona. Um, I just associate it as being kind of any given team's, you know, best player, best offensive player, forward, goal scorer, playmaker. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that is what it kind of uh, unofficially represents. Uh, and I mean, if Argentina retired number 10, I'm sure like Lionel Messi would be very happy to oblige to that. And, um, would he? It, uh, maybe, uh, but, and you know, if even Napoli, um, but I'm not sure the, the all of world soccer 
needs to uh, retire number 10. I think that that is, I don't think Diego Maradona would have wanted that. I mean, I, I don't know if he, who knows, but uh, I think it's just kind of like uh, an immediate reaction to, uh, you know, the, the death of, of Maradona. Uh, I agree with you. Um, you know, they, there's a philosophy that no one player is bigger than the club. No one player is bigger than the game. Uh, not even Diego Maradona. Uh, I would have no problem with any of his clubs retiring the 10 jersey. Um, mm-hmm. But that number also is, uh, it's aspirational. You know, it's uh, players at all levels put that number on so that they can be magicians, either become magicians or show the world who they are. So, you know, there's gonna be a next, uh, I don't know if there's gonna be another Maradona because of what he, um, what he symbolized. Uh, I saw a, um, one of the uh, tribute pieces that I read of him described him as a uh, lo- lovable rogue um, and he was, uh, you know, he meant so much to, um, you know, particularly those in the global South, uh, where he was a symbol of, um, you know, reaching the summit, coming from a place, uh, you know, he didn't come from one of the uh, Western, one, one of the powerhouses of the Western world. Uh, you know, he came from the slums of Argentina and you know, to reach the points that he did. Uh, it, it was just, it, it was incredible. But even that being said, uh, I don't think anything is bigger than um, bigger than the game itself. And the shirt, the 10 shirt represents and symbolizes so much. Uh, so I would say, no, do not retire it. Like every aspect of the sports world has uh, been reacting to the news of Maradona's death and there have been countless numbers of just shows of uh, mourning and uh, sport and, and everything in between. But uh, Marcus, uh, you brought up a couple of videos uh, with a musical artist, Eddie Grant. Um, and I think you should probably describe or explain. Yeah, uh, let me uh, yeah. bring it in. Uh, Eddie Grant is an old school reggae singer. Um, For anybody that knows me, uh, two of my great passions are the beautiful game and reggae music. Um, Eddie Grant in uh, 1981 did a concert in uh, Luna Park in Buenos Aires in Argentina. And he spotted Diego Maradona in the crowd because Maradona was that cool at the time. (laughs) that He would go and see this Jamaican artist play in Buenos Aires. So first, I want to talk about, uh, or I want to uh, bring in what Eddie Grant said in tribute to Maradona. I don't know if this is, um, if it's the case, but Grant and Maradona became friends over the years. I don't know if they first met at this concert or when, but uh, Grant being a fan of of soccer um, and Maradona three years after winning his first World Cup, attends one of his concerts and uh, they kicked off a friendship that spanned over the decades. So uh, let's hear from Eddie Grant talking about his great friend, Diego Maradona. He cannot be replaced with all due respect to Lionel Messi. He cannot be replaced. 
time will possibly erode memories because time does that. But Diego Maradona was truly a special one. I feel it because I've known the man, I've played football with the man, and I've seen what the real man is, not the nonsense that the media tries to portray. Maradona as a this or Maradona as a that. That happened. Maradona was a great guy, fun to be with, the Maradona that I know and that his family knows and that the world knows on the football field. So today is really, truly a sad day. It's like I've lost a member of the family. Argentina, be proud. Maradona family, be proud. Maradona fans, I know how sad you are because I am myself a fan. God bless him and may he rest forever in the peace that he never knew in the last years of his life. God bless Diego Maradona. So that was a, um, it was a great tribute from Grant. Uh, he said it, I think, far better than I ever could. And uh, in honor of uh, Maradona's passing, uh, we'd like to end the show with uh, a clip from the moment Eddie Grant spotted Diego Maradona in the audience at one of his concerts. Uh, before we go, be sure to listen to the Nesson Soccer Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, all your podcast apps. And be sure to rate and review us and follow us on Twitter. Mark DiBenedetto is uh, MD Benz on Twitter. Did I get that right? You got it right. All right. Maybe I'll tweet at you soon. Or and, Mark, uh, Mark D. Benz, actually. <laughs> Mark D. Benz, sorry. D-I-B-E-N-Z. Yeah. And uh, I'm uh, MK Omard, and you can uh, also tweet at me at Nesson Soccer. Uh, rest in peace, Diego Maradona. Take it away, Eddie Grant. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother.